Dearest Lord Jesus, may these words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Don't worry, I won't sing this whole devotion today. But that beautiful hymn that we sang to start our service tonight really does ask an important question, doesn't it? For us and for the hymn writer, this question, what child is this, is a rhetorical question. When the hymn writer wrote these lyrics, he knew the answer to the question. And probably the vast majority of people who have sung the words of this hymn, this classic Christmas carol, it's been around since the mid to late 1800s, those people have known the answer too. I presume that you know the answer. That's why you're here with us this evening. The song doesn't ask the question, what child is this, in order to test us or to quiz us or to seek some new information that is missing for someone. No, a rhetorical question like this is an artful way to direct our attention, to direct our focus to the answer to the question. Other Christmas songs do similar things, don't they? When they ask do you hear what I hear? Or, Mary, did you know? What child is this is a rhetorical question. It's the, the theme of our service because you probably know the answer. The answer's been presented for us in several different scripture lessons. We've sung it in several different pieces of music and hymns and carols. The answer was given to us in a promise and in prophecy, in a psalm of praise, and now also in prose. In other words, we just heard the story, didn't we? That story about Mary and Joseph taking the long journey from, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, where they searched but could not find a place for lodging, and so ended up being in a stable where Mary had her son. And we know this little child who was laid in the manger and wrapped in strips of cloth, he is Jesus. We know him as the most important figure in the history of the world. In spite of humble beginnings, like these. But our next reading, our next lesson, hopefully also familiar to you, invites us to consider somebody else's perspective. For this reading, we wander off to the hills, to the, the fields of Bethlehem. And there we hear the bleeding of sheep. We can smell the, the smoke of the campfire that the men are trying to use to keep warm on a cold night. We can smell some other stuff too. These are shepherds 
kind of getting the picture of why people don't always like them so much. Yeah, it turns out that shepherds are kind of on the, the lowest rung of society's ladder in those days. When people at that time thought about shepherds, their favorite thing about them was they lived out there with the sheep. So while you know the answer to our question this evening, these shepherds didn't. They didn't even know that there was a question. They had no idea that night that anything special was going on. They didn't know that it was the first Christmas. What did they know? Well, they knew their place in society, which we just discussed. They knew even more also. They had, like everybody else also does, they had a voice inside of them that told them that they were outcasts because they deserved to be outcast. And that voice kept on telling them that there was something wrong with their lives, with the way that they lived, with the things that they had done. And I don't mean because they were shepherds, I mean because they were people. And they either knew or they should have known that being among the, the smelly dregs of society was actually a better situation than what they actually deserved. And that they had in common with every single person throughout Bethlehem that night except for one, that baby in the manger. This common condition, we share in it too. It goes all the way back to the first two human beings. That's why our first reading this evening came from the account of Adam and Eve right after they had fallen into sin. That's where Christmas starts. It starts with sinners who stand naked before God with nothing whatsoever that they can give to Him to make up for what they have done. And generation after generation of people stand before God in that exact same way. All of Adam and Eve's descendants, kings and priests, prophets, shepherds, Mary, Joseph, you, me. If we really listened to that nagging conscience voice, we would do nothing but beg God for mercy because we would understand that we have done wrong and we deserve His punishment. That's where it starts. That's where the shepherds were on that Bethlehem night like, like so many others which they had been through already. It was a night just like any other until suddenly... It was not. An angel, the glory of the Lord shining, a bright, a bright light pierced through the darkness all around these men and all around their sheep, and it terrified them. All of the thoughts that they had hardly been able to express before, all the pangs of their consciences suddenly erupted within them. It felt as though that bright light could shine right into their naked souls, and of course they were afraid. 
But then the angel spoke. And the angel said, don't be afraid. I haven't come to give you bad news. I haven't come to terrify you. I haven't come to frighten you. I'm coming with good news. Good news for shepherds. Yes, even for you. And it's good news for you because it's good news for everyone. And what was the good news that the angel shared? It was a baby. The Savior was born. He is Christ the Lord. He is God who had come down to do for his people what they cannot possibly do for themselves. He came to save them. He came to save sinners. He came to save shepherds. He came to save you, and he came to save me. And at that very moment, there was only one place to find him, and that was lying in a manger, wrapped in cloths. What child is this? This is the Savior, born for you. The shepherds heard the good news. They heard it first. Let's listen to it now. Luke 2, 18 to 14. There were in the same country shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior was born for you, he is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude from the heavenly army praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward mankind. This is, of course, God's word. Permit me a few more comments. The shepherds heard the good news first, and many have heard it since. You are here, presumably, because you know the same good news. Over 2,000 years ago, in a tiny town whose name you probably wouldn't even know except for this event, a child was born for you. He was born because you, too, needed saving. What child is this a Savior, your Savior? It's hard to imagine as we see him in the manger that eventually we'll see him on the cross. And it's hard to imagine when we see him on the cross that eventually we will see him in his glory. But that is why he has come the glorious and holy and almighty God himself has loved people in spite of their shame, in spite of their wrongdoing, in spite of their lowly positions, in spite of their rejection of him and of his word. And he loves, him, loves them so much that he hides his glory. He is the Lord. He, he wraps that glory in the tiny body of an infant boy, to be born in a lowly and smelly stable. 
And that's the start of something amazing. It's the first time that anyone has seen him, even though that baby was alive in his mother's womb for months already. And all of it has already been perfect. And all of his life will be perfect. That's what we needed. That's the sacrifice that he will offer. The most precious, innocent, perfect, valuable life. And, and all of this information, that's all in answer to this question, who is this child lying in the manger? And all of it is wrapped up in the angel's words, today in the town of David, a Savior was born to you. He is Christ the Lord. You know this good news. And there's no substitute for this good news. There are cheap imitations. There are things that try to masquerade as substitutes. I received an email just the other day. The subject line read, Your quest for the perfect gift ends here. I don't even remember what was being advertised in that email. But I know this. It wasn't the perfect gift. The one and only perfect gift was already given, and it was given by God at that first Christmas. So what will we do with this gift? What will we do with this good news? The lesson in front of us right now and our next, the final one in our service, both offer suggestions. The shepherds who heard the angel they're going to go and see this special child. That's the decision that they make right away. Do the same. You're doing it tonight. You're doing it right here, but, but don't stop. Go again to his manger bed. Remember what the angels proclaimed. Bow down and worship. Be like those shepherds. And be like the shepherds when they leave the stable too. Tell others what you've seen and what you've heard. Tell others the good news. Tell others what God has told you. Help others to be as amazed by God's love and His goodness as you are amazed by God's love and His goodness. Be like Mary too. We will hear that she didn't run through the streets proclaiming anything. She pondered and she treasured. Take time to do that as well. Take time to escape the, the loud and the busy, to spend some quiet, some quiet moments considering how great God has been to you, how richly He has blessed you. And be like the angels. When the one angel had finished his announcement, you heard this already, the sky was torn open by a, a multitude of angels singing their praise to God, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward mankind. Join in their song. Sing God's praises. We've been doing it already this evening. We're going to continue to do it. Glory to God, peace.
peace for us. That is what this child has come to accomplish, and that is what our Savior has done. That's the message, not only of our service tonight, the scriptures that we read and the songs that we sing, it's the message and it is the focus of every single word of scripture and every single teaching that is consistent to and faithful to scripture. That is the answer to a vitally important question. What child is this is a rhetorical question in our carol. But it's not a rhetorical question in our lives. What child is this? He is Jesus, the Lord and Savior, born for you, born for the world. Glory to God in the highest. Amen. Amen.